Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome back to the Corner of Truth and Courage. Thank you for joining us here today. Yesterday, I began talking to you about the Afghanistan refugees that are coming here into the United States. And we have about seven, eight different bases that are going to be taking these refugees, holding them as refugee camps, Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas, the Holloman Air Base in New Mexico, uh, Fort McCoy in the southeast part of Wisconsin, Fort Lee near Petersburg, Virginia, and Fort Pickett, which is on the other side of Petersburg, Virginia, Quantico Marine Base, and the Joint Base McGuire, uh, Dix Lakehurst in central New Jersey. We're expecting close to 50,000 of these refugees. Now, under the uh, Trump administration, he dropped the number of refugees down considerably. We were taking, for decades, about 80,000 refugees. No other nation in the world is as generous as the United States for taking refugees. I mean, we by far are more generous with the needs of the world. You know, people keep trying to give America a black eye, but we are, uh, we, we lead the world in generosity when there is a crisis. We give more. Uh, we help more than any other nation. Of course, the truth is, too, to balance that out, we've been blessed more. Uh, there's something that we've been doing here in the United States that has been successful and has been built upon years and years of following the principles of, of God, of the Word of God. We were founded that way. Now, as we're departing from that, our greatness is waning. Soon, we're not going to be a world leader if we continue in this direction. But back to these refugees that are coming here to the United States. Yesterday, I, I ch chatted with you about a report that one of my missionaries uh, with our organization that we founded, Missions to Muslims, he is in New York City working with Afghani refugees. Tim Stalkup did the work here on this uh, dossier. It's about a 12-page report dealing with the refugees that are coming, how you can get involved in helping. There are nine NGOs, non-government organizations, that deal with refugees. Once they get released, once they have their approval from the State Department saying, we vetted these people, we feel that they're not a threat, to uh, the citizens here of the United States. They are given a loan and brought into the United States, put in touch with these NGOs. One is completely secular. The other eight are religious in nature. One is Jewish. World Relief is one of them. They're the evangelical group. Then you have the Catholics have two or three. Then the Lutherans have some and, and different groups. But they've all signed agreements with the government saying that as an organization, we will not 
involve ourselves in proselytizing immigrants that come into our country. Even though they are religious groups, they've sold their souls to the devil, so to speak, because they make millions. Millions and millions of dollars are allocated for these refugees. And these companies, these organizations do the work, but they do work with volunteers. And if we as Christians are not going to step up to the plate and get involved with working with these refugees, and what's going to happen is that the liberals will gain another footing involved in, a, in an area that, uh, that we Christians refused to get involved. And I want to encourage you to consider maybe perhaps finding one of these offices. There's 258 offices around the country. And in this document, which we'll provide for you if you simply ask for it, it'll give you by state the different offices and where they are operating from. And you can uh, reach out to them and, and say, hey, I'm interested in helping uh, these refugees that are coming into the country. I mean, refugees are needy people. And whether they're Muslim or whatever background they come from, they need people to show them the love of Christ. And our work with them gives us opportunity to chat and share our faith and bring maybe uh, these people into contact uh, with the gospel and into good Bible-preaching churches. So pray about this, but I want to talk to you about what do you say to a Muslim? How do you engage in a way that will bring them into an understanding of the gospel? Now realize this, that for the most part, most of the Muslims that are coming here to the West are really trying to get away from the tyranny of Islam. They're not necessarily trying to get away from Islam, but they see problems with it. It's a tyranny, and they know it, and they want to get away from that. And so that's why they're largely coming our way. As the Islamic world is going deeper and deeper into its fundamentalism, which has been doing that since the 1920s, and as, it, as fundamentalism grows, it becomes more and more violent because that's what Muhammad preached and taught and practiced and commanded for faithful Muslims to do. And as, um, as the average Muslim who is non-practicing sees the real face of Islam, they say, if this is Islam, I don't want anything of it, and they want to get away. But they're stuck with the notion that once a Muslim, always a Muslim. Now, that's true, perhaps, in their country, in the Middle East. But when they come here, they now have freedoms that they've never had before. And they've had a misguided teaching of what Christians believe. I mean, they see, and they, you know, they see the outward side. Well, they think, well, America is a Christian nation. Look what it's produced. Homosexuality, killing of babies, lewdness weirdness, um, people pretending to be girls, and boys pretending to be girls, and girls pretending to be boys, and, you know, all, all this foolishness that's going on. And, you know, if that's the result of Christianity, they don't want it. But then they see certain Christians who dress modestly, who live within the boundaries of God's laws, 
and worship God, and they're faithful to church, and they love their families, and, and, and they see something different. And they come across these people, and there is curiosity. What, what do you say to a Muslim to get them looking into the Bible? Remember, they've, they've been lied to about the Bible, about Jesus, and about Christianity. And so I want to give you some things here. The first thing, if you ever get this opportunity to say to your Muslim friend, and it might be someone who's not an immigrant, they were working over here, maybe you, they're a colleague at, at your job, maybe there's someone in your school, maybe they're a neighbor, maybe you pump your gas where there's one, or maybe you, you, you meet a, a Muslim at the water cooler somewhere, and, and you have an opportunity to begin a conversation with them. And when you get past the general niceties and the, you know, where you're from and all that kind of stuff, which is important, um, you, you want to, as early as you can, interject this thought to them. You know, uh, Muhammad, have you ever let a Christian open the Bible and explain it to you? If you ever want to, would you let me do that? I promise I'm not going to tell you I'm right and you're wrong. But I believe that if you would read the Bible, that God would speak to you. The author of that book would speak to you and you would know that this is truly from God. And if you ever get an opportunity to tell a Muslim that, they're first likely going to decline. And, uh, oh, uh, you know, I've I've read the Bible or I've, you know, I've I've studied something. Now, the truth is they, they probably haven't. But, that's their general comeback. But as you meet them again, you know, uh, uh, Ahmed, you know, remember um, I said to you, if you ever, have you ever let a Christian open the Bible and explain it to you? I'm serious about that. Would you let me do that? Just to, to know that, that you genuinely care for them. One of the hard facts about seeing Muslims get saved is that hardly do they get saved unless they first had a friendship with a Christian. It's usually that friendship that makes the world of difference for them coming to know the truth. Realize they've been born into darkness, into a lie, and it's going to maybe take a while. You know, when we share the gospel, we're casting seed. The, the parable of the sower, you know, and you, you cast it, it falls on different types of soil and different types of hearts, and some it's rejected right away as a hard ground, and sometimes it's a thorny ground. It's all entangled with, um, you know, it's occupied and, and stony ground, and then sometimes it falls on good ground. We need to realize Islam has poisoned the ground for a lot of these Muslims, and it's going to take a while for you to work that ground, work the land, and cultivate that relationship with them as you're planting the seed. Now, your goal, if they will agree with you to open the Bible and explain it to them, is not for you to become a, the debater. No, it's just simply to get them to study with you the Gospel of John. We've been using the Gospel of John with Muslims with great, great success. And what we find that as we start getting them into the Gospel of John, we ask them, read a couple, read these first two chapters. Write down your questions, and then when we meet over coffee, we'll discuss your questions. We used to say, we'll answer your questions. We don't say that anymore. We'll discuss your questions. 
And usually their questions are simple things. You know, what does that mean when they said this? And, and listen, folks, let the Bible speak for itself. It's powerful. And it, God's capable of speaking for himself. And so what, what, what does this mean? And so, well, what does it say? And we read it together. And that's what it means. It means what it said. And, and so well, what, do you, what did it say? And then you get them to tell you what it said. And they said, do you understand that? Yeah, I understand that. So they, they, they can understand it if you guide them to let, God, to let God's word speak for itself. It's powerful. And sometimes I think we get in the way and get our um, or into it when we should, shouldn't do that. We should just let God's word speak for itself. Now, tomorrow when we come back, I want to talk to you about some of the objections, some of the areas and landmines that you don't want to be stepping on and certain things. You may be saying some things and you don't know you're blaspheming in their mind in front of them. And you're not trying to be offensive, but because of their understanding of, with Islam, you might be saying things like, you know, the son of God, Jesus, the son of God. Well, they think that's blasphemy. That's shirk. That's one of the greatest sins that anyone could ever commit is making a man equal with God. And, and they think that's what you've done when you say that Jesus is God in the flesh. And they're thinking shirk. And so I'm going to help you tomorrow in understanding what, how they're thinking so that you can communicate better with them. So join us again tomorrow at the corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.